Alright, welcome back everyone to Reborn Fighting. Uh, it has been a while. It has been a while. <laughs> it has been a good bit since we've recorded the last episode. Um, to just explain why there were some complications arising getting to record with Ben, the, the guy who was in the previous episodes. Um, some things happened, people got busy, so that's really been why. It's been, it's been a good bit since I recorded that episode. But I, I haven't stopped wanting to do these. I still really want to do these. I still really want to discuss the Phillies. Because I feel, at least not a lot of people that I know in real life, aside from the internet, know a lot about the Phillies. So I want to do my best to try to get people hype and get people to understand the situation this team is in and where they can go in the future. So... Uh, I'm not sure about scheduling. Again, doing it weekly with like me being in high school and having high school work and having to work on the weekends. And if I want to do if I if I want to do it with someone else, they have their own schedule too. So we have to find a way to line something up. So that'll be hard. But I'll try to get these done. Try, I'll, I want to try to do these as often as possible. I can't guarantee week uh, weekly, but from now on, I want to try to get it done whenever something big happens or something big is coming up. So hopefully you can be on the lookout for that. Okay, so this episode, Reborn Fighting, it's been a while. It's great to be back with you guys. This is mostly to just, as a warning, this is going to mostly be unscripted. I have not, I usually write notes for these things, if you don't know. I usually type out notes to try to keep, keep myself on track, and because I want to address certain topics usually. But... I have not written out any notes for this um, because I, th I feel like there's so much I could write because there's a lot I want to talk about. But really, uh, the thing I want to kind of rant, yes, you heard rant, or t uh, mostly talk about is the situation of the current team and why I feel I'm more positive about it than most. Because um, seeing a lot of people on the internet, for example, um, who, who have been following the Phillies for a while... They're, they're, they all seem very pessimistic pessimistic about the team, and I understand why. I really, it's understandable why, and I'll dive into why people th feel that way. But I, like myself, I usually, like, overreact a little bit sometimes, especially when the team's doing bad. But this is a situation where I realize what time it is in the year, and I feel it's really unnecessary to get so down on the team when you're so far away from baseball actually happening, so... That's that. I'll dive in now. So, if you haven't, it's been a while since I last talked to y'all. So, the things that happened in the time being, a lot of free agents signed. Garrett Cole went to the Yankees. Strasburg, Steven Strasburg went back to the Nationals. Anthony Rendon went to the Angels. Those two, those three big dogs in the market. The Phillies were able to sign Zach Witter to a five-year, $118 million contract. And they were able to sign shortstop D.D. Gregorius to a one-year, $14 million contract. So those, those are going to be the Phillies' two big signings of the winter, unless something unforeseen happens. And as you know, th at this time last year, the Phillies were not thinking about a JT Realmuto trade. And as you see, something came together late, I think it was late January, early February, and they got it done. So you never know. So I, I know they're not closing the door or anything, but it is looking like these two guys are going to be our biggest acquisition of the offseason. Now... This seems to be worrying a lot of fans, and understandably, 
like I personally I understand why it's worrying fans because the situation of the team is clear. They are right up against the luxury tax, and John Middleton has made clear in the past that he does not want to go over the luxury tax to be a wild card team. He wants to go over the he is willing to go over the luxury tax if it means acquiring a stud superstar level talent that will take us to a World Series caliber team that can eventually hopefully win a World Series because that's been his goal to get his effing trophy back. So again, the Phillies are up about six million below the luxury tax, so that's the situation they're in. Now, if you don't know what the luxury tax is, it's basically a tax. Like I'm not I, again, this is unscripted. I haven't written down any of this stuff, but. Going off memory, it's basically a percentage of money taken away for like first-time offenders up to like a certain amount. High, basically, basically the higher you go above the $208 million luxury tax, uh, the more repercussions you go, and the longer you're above the tax in consecutive years, the more re- repercussions you face. So, so the way I see it, the Phillies are going in this with a mindset that they don't want to go over the luxury tax because they don't want to they don't want to put themselves put themselves in a hole similar to the one they had going back to 2011, 2012, 2013, those years before the rebuild where it was awful. We had a bunch of old aging players who were injury prone who weren't what they once were on really bad contracts at that time. So they don't want to put themselves in a, in a situation like that because they don't want to go back to the rebuild. They want to win now, so they're trying to do their best to have to build the team so we have the best chance of winning long term instead of winning one year like the Cubs and then going down the drain. Now with the Cubs, since I brought them up, the Cubs won in 2016, as you all know. They won the World Series that year, but they have not. But they have been falling ever since. Now they're looking to shed payroll because their payroll is way, is above the luxury tax. They are facing their limits. They are facing the repercussions of the luxury tax, and they want to get under so there have been discussions about them trading a superstar of a player in Chris Bryant. So Phillies don't want to get to that point in the off season, so that's why they don't want to hopefully not go for the luxury tax multiple seasons now. Now the big problem with this that I see, many people see, is that there are avenues for the Phillies to go over the luxury tax this year, get better, and then go back under next year because after this Philly season, you have Jake Arrieta, David Robertson, D.D. Gregorius now, his money coming off the books among others. So that's that's probably, that's close to like 40 or $50 million coming off the books after this season. So that that would take us right. So say we go over, say our payroll is at like a 230 or $220 million. If we lose, if we go, if we lose that, that payroll, Arrieta, Robertson, and Gregorius now, and... That let's say that's 45 million combined. That's not a set number. That's not probably not the real number. But we're using this as an example. If we're at 230 million over the tax, if we lose that 45 million, we will be at 195 million or 185 million if my math is right. So again, there are ways we can go under the tax. But the way I see it is that they they're trying their best not to go over the tax because they see starting the offseason next year at 185 million is really limiting and they don't want to go over the tax again in consecutive years so i i personally understand where they're coming from in that situation but the problem here is many fans are angry at the team they are pessimistic they are they are basically forfeiting the season uh, because the phillies reluctance to go over this luxury tax now of course they would become better if they did it but they if they would become better right now and for the future if they went over the luxury tax. And yes, they could fall under, but it would be less money to, to spend on other key players that we may need down the line. So 
that's why they don't want to go over it, and fans are mad about it, because the roster right now isn't as good as it can be, understandably. The rotation has gotten better with the addition of Zach Wheeler, so right now, currently, the rotation is looking like uh, Nola, Wheeler, Arietta, Eflin, and then a blank spot, which is going to be either Cole Irvin, Ranger Suarez, Vince Velasquez, or Nick Pavetta, probably based on who does the best in spring training, my best guess. Now, people are really mad about this because, as you know, Nick Pavetta and uh, Vince Velasquez were awful last year. And, like, personally, I think there were a lot of factors to that. Now, just a brief, I'm not a real, I'm not a fan of either of them. I don't really like Nick Pavetta. I don't really like Vince Velasquez. I think that's been pretty obvious. I think they're, they're average pitchers. They're not anything special. They have good arms, but they haven't yet to put it together. And I, and I do think trusting these guys again is a huge risk that I think we that we should, probably should have learned from, but it's a risk we have to take if they want to really stay under the luxury tax. Now, a lot of people are freaking out saying, oh my god, these guys suck, we're screwed, we're a third place team. And what I'm, and really, what I have to say to that is, please, do, do you realize what month it is? Like, it's, it is December. <laughs> Spring training doesn't start until February, like, 15th or something like that when pitchers and catchers report and the season doesn't start until like March 28th it's December and people are already forfeiting the season and I don't really understand why like I get the frustration but they, people are forfeiting the season like oh this team's third place they're not going to do anything look at the rotation look at the depth blah 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 Washington and Atlanta are better now on paper they are better but people don't understand the aspect of what baseball is teams that uh, teams that are on paper sometimes do better, and there are factors to that. Like with the Phillies last year, they had. <laughs> Just thinking about this makes me laugh because of how bad these coaches were. But they had Chris Young and John Malley. John Malley was fired by the Chicago Cubs the year after they won the World Series, and Chris Young had never been in a dugout before. He had never had a coaching job. He'd been a, he'd been a front office guy. And they brought, they put those, they had those two guys in. Kapler put put those two guys in, and it was it was awful. With the year of the juice ball, Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez, they were god awful. They were they both regressed heavily, and thankfully Chris Young, uh, John Malley, and Gabe Kapler were all let go, and in came Joe Girardi, an experienced manager who has been to the World Series, who knows how to manage a team, who knows how to manage a bullpen, which I'll dive into later on. And he brought, and you bring in Brian Price. Now you may not know who Brian Price is, but he's a former manager and a former pitching coach for teams like Cincinnati Reds, I believe Seattle too, a few others. But the thing about Brian Price is he's experienced. He knows he he Chris Young. Not a coach. He did not know how to coach. Brian Price knows how to coach. He knows how to relate to his guys. He knows how to 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 bring out the best in these guys. If you look at Brian Price's coaching career, they're like literally on Phillies.com, there is like coaching biographies for each of the coaches. Brian for each of the coaches, Brian Price's coaching biography, it, it just it just goes on. It just you scroll down, it just goes on. He's been through so much. He has so much experience. So you want someone like that. To, to, you want someone someone like that to coach your young guys to try to take them to the ne- to the next level because Nick Pavetta Vince Velasquez they have the potential but they have yet to unlock it they can unlock it and if anyone is going to unlock that potential or at least just get something out of them it's going to be Brian Price because he's done it before he made bad since he made on paper bad Cincinnati rotation red Cincinnati red rotations look pretty good he's done that before he's been through this before with young pitchers he 
these help young pitchers out. And people are just automatically, because they see that, they automatically see the name. Vince Velasquez, Nick Pavetta. They assume they're trash. They assume that since they're in the rotation, they suck. But at the end of the day, they're going to be, either one of them is going to be the four or five starter. Well, I mean the five starter. It's going to be Vince Velasquez or Nick Pavetta, most, Nick Pavetta most likely. All the, all those guys need to do, all those guys need to do is keep us in games. That's all they need to do. I'm personally, I'm not asking anything more than them. To just keep us in games, go five or six innings, give up three or four or less earned runs. Keep us in the game, and that's all we need them to do. Because if they keep us in the game, that gives us a chance to win. And they can do that. If they, like, There's a lot of ifs. But I do believe Brian Price, with his experience, he can bring something out that can at least... I'm not asking them to be aces. I don't... Like, they're not... I'm not asking them to turn it to 2018 Aaron Nola. Or 2018 second half Zach Wheeler. I'm not asking them... To, I'm not asking them to do that. I'm asking them just to keep us in games. That's all they have to do. That is all they have to do. And Vince Velasquez and Nick Pavetta are more than capable of doing that. They are more than capable of doing that. And you know the best part is? They're probably only... One of them is probably going to have to do this until late May or early June because that's when... That's when... That's when the big brain starts to work. That's when top pitching prospect Spencer Howard comes is going to be ready. He's projected to be ready by midseason. He's going to be on an innings, innings limit. But if you haven't seen this guy's stats, if you, if you haven't seen him pitch like in Arizona Fall League or in Reading or in Clearwater or... <laughs> the other Phillies minor league teams, you better find some film. Because this kid is special. He has elite stuff. He threw a no-hitter in the playoffs in the minor leagues, dude. Like, look at his Arizona Fall League stats. He dominated t- He dominated the top prospects in <laughs> in baseball. And his arm, he's 23. Like, it's so hard to explain like, like this. But, like, just tell me. Look up Spencer Howard. Look up some of his stuff. He is elite. He's gonna. He has the potential to be a top line starter, and he's gonna be up here by May or June. So for people worried about Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez, you just gotta deal with them for two months. They just gotta be serviceable for two months, five, six innings, three or four runs. Try to. They just gotta try to do that. Then you got Spencer Howard coming up, who's gonna be special. And imagine what Brian Price can do with Spencer Howard. Oh my Jesus, God, I'm just salivating over that. So yeah, that's those two guys. Arietta, he's about he he's not injured. He's the I'm hopeful that he won't be injured this year. He's been injured the past two years. I'm hopeful that he stays healthy this year. And if he stays healthy and Brian Price sees that like some of his ineffective pitches, he gets rid of them and hasn't has him use more of his effective pitches. Again, all he has to do is be serviceable too. Keep us in games. Just, that's all they need to do. Just that's all they really need to do. And Zach Eflin has showed promise last year. But his big thing was, there was an article in The Athletic that came out about Zach Eflin and like his problems with the coaching staff and them wanting him to do something, but it didn't work for him. So he, he went back to his normal way of pitching, and he found success there. So I, And Brian Price is the type of coach who's going to work with these guys. He, he's been through this. He's, he's taught older guys. He's taught younger guys. He knows how to coach. So he is going to talk to he's going to talk to Zach Eflin. He's going to talk to Jake Arrieta. He's going to talk to every single guy in the rotation. He's going to, he is going to look at all the video. He's going to understand the type of pitchers these guys are, and he is going to make them serviceable. That's all they need to be. If all of our guys are serviceable, we're going to win a lot of games. We're going to win 
a crap ton a lot of games. So yeah, that's my that's what that's how I feel about the rotation. Let's go to the bullpen now. Though again, the bullpen it got decimated last year. Literally, you had just to name a few. You had Tommy Hunter, Pat Neshek, David Robertson, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Victor Arano, Adam Morgan, Juan Nicasio, Edward Ramos, and a, probably a few other few others that all got injured at some point in the season who were expected who were expected to contribute to the big league bullpen level. Now, a bunch of those guys, they're iffy, like Sir Anthony, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Adam Morgan, uh, Victor Ronald, you never really know because arm injury, elbow elbow injuries in specific can be really, um, they can be really bad at, at times. But, like, so let's say, if they're all able to stay healthy and, we're, and we add much more depth, like, we're, the bullpen's going to be fine. Because, like, in my opinion, like, the one thing I keep saying about the bullpen last year, I really think... That despite his intentions not to do this, I think Gabe Capital was a big part of why the bullpen got hurt like that. Because he came in and he had... Because when Capital came in, he didn't have any set roles to find roles. He just threw guys out there. He warmed guys up. He sat them down. Warmed them up. Sat them down. Taxing on these young arms who had never really been through something like that before. So, it was a, it was a, it was an explosion bound to happen. Like, he was working these guys so often and so much. Like, these guys just... They just, they just tore down. They just broke. Now, Capitals in San Francisco, thankfully. And we have Joe Girardi, who has managed excellent, and I am putting an emphasis on this excellent bullpen management. He knows how to manage bullpen. In his in, in his press conference, he addressed the bullpen how he's going to manage it. He's going to give guys set roles, I hope. I hope he gives them set roles. He's going to give these guys specific days off. He's not going to say, Sir Anthony Dominguez, he, need, he pitched two days in a row. He needs a day off. He Joe Girardi's going to sit that man down, and he's not going to pitch him, even if we absolutely need him. He's going to get that man his rest because he knows we need these bullets for October, and this team can reach October if things go right. So he's going to manage the bullpen good. If our guys can stay healthy, and we've already added so much depth in the minor leagues, so many, so many guys in the minor leagues who throw hard, who can who can come up and do something at the big league level. That's you just need depth. And we, we have depth in the bullpen, finally, in case some, something like this happens. And, again, going back to the injuries, whatever, what happened in the bullpen last year, it's it's unheard of. You don't ever hear of a bullpen, an entire bullpen going down like that, really, ever. You don't... What is that happened? Like, you can talk about the Yankees and their lineup going down, but, like, comparing us to the Yankees, like, their, their player development... And their ability to have depth is elite. They're at the top of the league. And you're free, and you're, people are saying that, like, oh, because the Yankees do this, why can't we? They're at the top of the league. We're not. Like, do you understand, like, how bad the rebuild was? And, like, it's only starting to get better now. But, like, they're at the top of the league. They've been doing this for a while. And not many teams are at the top are where the Yankees are. So it's, why would, why'd you... Like, it's crazy to say, like, oh, because we're not at the Yankees level, it's it's automatically a failure. <laughs> not a lot of teams are at the Yankees level. Only a few, in my opinion. You can say the Rays, Astros, Yankees, and that elite level. Maybe the Athletics. That's four teams. In the, that's four teams you can really say they're at that top of the league in depth. Maybe the Dodgers. Dodgers are a part of that. Five teams out of 30. Just look at that. So, okay, with the offense, I don't really think John Malley... Huge like Reese Hoskins, God, I I hated Reese. I got I hated Reese during his stretch when he was god awful after the All Star break. Gene Skirt was underwhelming, 
But really, I think the key thing to this was losing Andrew McCutcheon. When we lost... Just put it in perspective. When when we had Andrew McCutcheon before... When Andrew, when Andrew McCutcheon got hurt before all the bullpen injuries, before he got hurt, we were in first place. I think that's I think that's one of the things people forget. We were in first place where we were pretty darn close to it. So if McCutcheon's able to stay healthy, he's able to provide that protection and presence at the top of the order, and uh, the ACL or MCL, whatever, I forget what he tore, if, if that's able to just be all right, because he's going to be playing left field. He's not playing center field, so he should be able to play left field pretty all right. If he's able to just go back to just a part of like what he was in, in 2019, because he was like on pace to have a great 2019 season defensively and offensively for this Phillies if he stayed healthy throughout the majority of it. So if he can just stay healthy this year and provide that presence, you don't understand like how how impactful it was because after McCutcheon went down, the Phillies were not able to find a, a leadoff hitter that, that they could stick there for a good bit. They were not able to find that person. They tried Reese Hoskins. They tried Bryce Harper. They tried Scott Kingery. They tried Cesar Hernandez. Nothing worked. Nothing worked like it worked with Andrew McCutcheon. Nothing. Nothing came close to that. And you have Gene Segura, who was our two-hitter throughout the, the entire, mostly the majority of the 2019 season, losing that protection of McCutcheon like dominoes. Like, to, to, one word to, ex, to explain what happened dominoes and we bro- and we we're bringing in to replace John Malley Joe Dillon if you don't know this name then he is a former he's the former assistant hitting coach of the world of the world series <coughs> of the world series Washington Nationals he was instrumental in his work with guys like Juan Soto he helped even though he's an assistant coach he helped forge Juan Soto into the hitter he is so he's 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 a perfect mix of old school and new school type of guy and he like Kevin Long, the Nationals hitting coach, who worked with Joe Girardi in New York, praised him. He he offered so much praise for Joe Dillon's work. So I am really I am really excited for what Joe Dillon can bring to this team. And like if if Joe Dillon is able to get Reese Hoskins back on track, that alone could cover an offseason addition. Getting Reese Hoskins back to what he was, that is that is a must. That would be that would be amazing. That would be that would help the offense so much. You get Gene Segura just back to like it doesn't like he can even like a little better than what he did in 2019. Like really, my my expectations are low. So if he can do at least be a little better than what he did in 2019, that's fine. That's fine. With the addition of Didi Gregorius, who is going to benefit with the with with the right field being so short in, in Philadelphia, and him finally being healthy, if he's able to get back on track too, that's going to be a big boost to the offense. And look at Bryce Harper. Now the thing, like, thing people say is like superstars who sign big contracts usually start to do better in the second season because the first the first season is all about adjustment and all that. And if you think about what Bryce Harper went through in 2019, he 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 came into spring training late. He uh he had to move his family. He had to get a new house in, in Philly. He had to buy buy a new. He had to move everything. He had to move his family. <laughs> I already said that. He had and he had a kid and he had to deal with all of this. He had to deal with so many things and he still had a great season. So that's why I think Bryce Harper's bound is gonna be is set for a huge 2020. I think he's finally gonna have his little Philly breakout. If you're gonna say that, so I'm really hyped about that. And I think the offense overall, it's gonna like if you keep McCutcheon, I think it's gonna be fine. The only iffy thing is the bench. We have Jay Bruce and Roman Quinn, but we got some guys in the minor leagues who could provide sneaky value. 
and despite us being six million close to the luxury tax, if we can if we can like somehow find value in the margins, we can be we're gonna be fine. Like look at Brad Miller for example. We found he he got like designated for resigning by like, the Yankees or Indians, and we picked him up and he was great for us. And I really hope that we're able to resign him, but I'm not sure if he, he would fit in our financial uh, uh, constrictions. But I really hope that someone like Brad Miller we can resign. So again, the depth the bench is concerning. But overall, I think it's going to be fine for our guys who mostly stay healthy. Again, that's banking on them staying healthy. But, yeah. You see, you don't know. And now, I'm going to dive into the, the Nats and Braves. The Braves, um, they're coming off the division title two straight, and at least division titles. And uh, they might lose that Josh Donaldson, who was a key part of key component of their lineups. So they're going to have that hole at third base. It's going to be hard to to replicate the production he did. And he was their four-hitter, just to put that in perspective. So, they have added to their bullpen greatly. Their starting rotation is a little iffy. Cole Hamels definitely helps them, but, like, he's not what he once was. He's he's a 4 or 5 at this point. They have a bunch of young guys who may look to come up. So, if their young guys break out, of course, that's going to be a big problem. But, again, that's an if. That's an if, just like the many ifs we have, just like the many ifs the Washington Nationals have. So, going to the Nationals, they lost Anthony Rendon to the Angels. So, they lost their third baseman. They lost their power hitter. And basically, him and Juan Soto, him and Juan Soto basically made up that lineup, that made up that offense. They're, maybe, maybe they can sign Josh Donaldson, but that's not going to replicate what Rendon was able to provide in that lineup. It'll be close, but it's Rendon was such a presence that it's going to be really hard for them. And you look at the Washington Nationals; their farm system is isn't as good as it once was. Still all right, but it isn't as good as it once was. And the starting rotation: Max Scherzer. He's getting old. Like, at some point, Max Scherzer's going to start breaking down. You saw a little last year with the injuries. Steven Strasburg, I, I wish we would have got him, but, like, still there's a huge risk. He's, he's had injuries before, and it's, he had such a breakout year in, like, 20, 2019. Are you sure he can replicate those those stats? Like, same with same with Patrick Corbin, too. You're not sure. Those those guys are, like, set in stone to be at least minimum league average. <laughs> They're set in stone to be that. But you don't know if they can like provide more. You don't know how how good they can be, or if they can add on to their 2019 season. You look at the Nats bullpen; it is atrocious. I, I still think they're going to resign Daniel Hudson, and that's going to really help them. But the Nats bullpen overall is really bad. So there are reasons to be <laughs> pessimistic about the Braves, and there are reasons to be pessimistic about the Nationals, and there are of course reasons to be pessimistic about the Phillies. Now I'm kind of trying to drag in my words because I've been talking for 25 minutes and ranting. But overall. My my big thing is, like, if you're worried about the Phillies, then stop worrying. The season's two months away. Crazier things have happened. When the net, when we signed Bryce Harper, everyone assumed we would be the first. We would be in the. We would win the division because signing Bryce Harper and adding on that offense. We didn't win the the division. Other things happened. When the Nationals lost Bryce Harper, no one expected them to do what they did. Like in May, there's there's a big thing about how they were like the best team in baseball since May, like 14th or something. They like. Minus, like, under 1% odds to win the World Series at that point. And they won it all. They were able to defy the odds. So, like, the thing about baseball, you can't assume anything. You can't assume... Maybe you can assume some things, of course, like throw horrible teams. But this team isn't bad. They they have the core. They have the potential. If things go right, this team can make magic. This team can win the division. I still believe it'll be hard. Nothing's easy in baseball. It'll be very... It'll be... It, it's looking like it can be hard to win the division. But I think if things go right, if our guys can stay healthy, if Brian Price, Joe Dillon, and Joe Girardi can help unlock something in our players, 
things can go right. And I just don't get why people are so pessimistic about the season. When it's December, we are two months away from spring training. Three months away from the opening of the season. And people are assuming, like, it's September and we just lost in the wild card race. We just lost in the division race. Why? Why do people want to... Why do people want to think this way? It's December. Why do you people want to think this way? And think the season's over. Like, what's with the pessimism? Where's the positivity? Where's the high hopes? You don't have to expect this team to be a championship team. But they're better than what they were last year. They've added. They're better. They look to be better. So where's, where's the... You don't have to be so positive. You'd be like, oh, you don't have to be nice, like, happy dandy and say, we're going to win the World Series. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this team's going to be better, and you don't know what's going to happen. In 2020, this team could do something. No one expected the Washington Nationals to beat, <laughs> to win the World Series against the Astros. No one, no one expected the freaking Cardinals in the Division Series to beat the Braves like they did. No one expected the Nationals to beat the Dodgers in the Division Series. Like, what? <laughs> like, bottom line, if you're giving up on the season already in December, I don't like calling people anything like this, but you're a fake fan. You're giving up on the season in December when there's still hope. This It's two months away from even seeing anything baseball-related in Philly Red, and you're giving up. You don't deserve, like... You don't deserve to be there for the good run. If you're giving up right now on this team, you don't deserve to be there. I've had my moments where I've given up on this team, but there were actual reasons to give up on this team. Example, going back at the deadline when we only added basically Corey Dickerson. That was a reason to give up because they were basically forfeiting the season because the team wasn't good enough. We were plagued by injuries. I knew it. Everyone knew it. There was a low chance of us doing anything. But that was in the middle of the season, in the middle of a division hunt, in the middle of a wild card race. There were reasons for that. There are no reasons to give up on the season right now. This, you like, I get it. When the season starts, things are looking pessimistic in the standings and our stats. There's a reason. There's your reason. But we're in December. It is December 13th. The freaking Star Wars movie hasn't even come out yet. It is not this. It is not Christmas yet. It isn't even 2020 yet. And people are giving up on this season. And I don't get it. I don't get it. These fans. We are five. This team is finally. In my definition, good is is being is being able to be 500 or over. We are finally good again. After six or seven, since twenty eleven, since twenty twelve was twenty twenty twelve was the first season we really when we hit five hundred after that twenty eleven season all went downhill. After all that time, it's been so long since we've seen a good Phillies team, and people are so easily willing to just write it off, cross it off, and assume everything in the world is bad. And I don't get it. I don't get it. Be positive. Have positivity. The season is yet to start. Be positive about your team. Reese Hoskins has shown what he can be. Gene Segura has shown what he can be. Scott Kingery has shown what he can be. Even Nick Pavetta at times. He had a complete game last year. He was alright in 2018 with the FIP and the advanced stats. He has shown what he can be. Vince Velasquez has shown what he can be. These guys have had blips. They have had moments. They have had times in their career where they have struggled. But if you look at any great player in their career, they also have times where they struggle. 
These things happen. In a blink of an eye, someone can become great. Who expected Carson Wentz to be the MVP in 2017? Who expected Nick Foles to lead the Eagles to the Super Bowl and win it all? Who expected that? Who expected that? I'm not asking you to be championship happy about this team. That is unrealistic. I'm just asking you to not write off this season. And to have at least some positivity about the direction this team is going in. Because there were errors where we were horrible at drafting. We had no statistical department. And we could not scout and develop, develop players from Latin countries. There were errors like that. But the, the Phillies team is getting better. The 2015-2016 draft were busts. I'm willing to admit that. They were they were busts. The 2017-2018 draft looked pretty damn good for us. And people were just willing to write that off so easily. Adam Hazley was in the 2017 draft. And he looks like a pretty damn good solid ball player. If he, if he can continue on from his 2019. Spencer Howard was drafted in that year. And you also have to remember, us signing big free agents with a qualifying offer, that's a competitive... We're losing our second round pick. So we're losing a key component of our draft. Spencer Howard. If we if we sign a guy who was offered a qualifying offer in the 2016-17 uh, offseason, we wouldn't have Spencer Howard right now. We would not have Spencer Howard right now. The future of this rotation, we wouldn't have him. So you got to take that. Take that. Have that in your mind. So, we're getting better. We have good coaches finally in place. The Gabe Kalper experiment. It was failure and a success. Failure that we didn't do anything good. We had two awful disasters, but in a success, we learned what this team needed. We finally know what this team needs. And this team needs a veteran coaching staff who has been there before to help take them to the next step. And that's what they got. Joe Dillon has won a World Series. Brian Price has managed for 17 or 18 years. Joe Girardi, he has managed for nine, eight, nine years. He has won a World Series. They have all been there done that. And they are going to help our players become better versions of themselves. And I have hope for the season. I have hope that things can get better. Things have the possibility to get better than what it was in 2019. And it angers me when people are writing it off as if it is the middle of September and we have fallen out of both races. Get a grip. Alright, alright kind of lost my voice there. <laughs> uh, this has been pent up for a while, seeing people talk, uh, seeing people so pessimistic. I just wanted to get this off my chest. This isn't an, this hasn't been really an, an ordinary episode of the podcast. Uh, yeah, I just want to get, I just wanted to get it off my chest because it hates me how negative so many people are. Now, I, I understand I've been a negative person before, but like, not to defend myself or anything, but at least I had reasons. At least I had reasons. Dark times. During this, in dark times during the season, I had reasons. But this is freaking December. Cut the crap. Get a grip. Oh my goodness. My goodness. Alright, again, thank you for listening. If you want to follow me on Instagram, uh, you can. Twitter, at Bomehype, where I sometimes rant and talk Phillies. 
Thank you all for listening. If you listen this far into the podcast, thank you for listening to my rant. And um, I hope you all have a great day or evening.